How are we doing, lads? Welcome to Absolutely Savage with your favourite host, David Savage. And I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Christopher Donnelly. How are you keeping, man? Pretty good. I'm enjoying the day, enjoying the sun over here. I know it's, it's uh, 70 degrees here, so I can't complain. Yeah, so you're living over in, um, uh, so you're, li- you're living in Massachusetts. What, what area yeah, are you I, living in? I, I live in New Bedford, Massachusetts, which is a fishing port. It's the largest fishing port in the United States, money-wise, because the, the, the catches. I know billions of dollars in catches. They, they catch uh, scallops is their their main thing as a kid here, but the 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 fishing is unbelievable. And if you, people say the fish is fresh, or it's fresh here. You can't go anywhere getting a lot of fresh seafood. So it's, it's nice to it. I, I grew up in Derry, you know, right on the water too. So I'm here. I'm on the water. So it's, 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 that's good. Yeah, no, no, New Bedford is a fabulous place. Um, I kind of what I like about it is like you know because I've been to the states a good few times myself. But what I love about New Bedford is it's kind of very old town America, and I kind of like that. I like the feeling of it, you know. It is not; it's a nice. You feel the people are down to earth there a little bit, you know. Yeah, so when, when I arrived here to start, I came here. I'm 30 years ago. I'm coming here, and I said, I expect I'm coming to see all these big high-rise buildings. Everything's push button, you know. I said, Oh, I've done nothing. I come here, and I see. It's like, I said, What happened? I, you know, and then yeah. no high-rise anything, any so. so you just see every your opinion of of America years ago before I came here was just what you saw on TV. And now I see a little town the same size as Derry, a little bit smaller, and it's yeah, people are basic and there are no no high rise or no push button anything. Then you know it was just everything was just pretty family style city, so I like it. And where did you actually go into? Did you did you go? You didn't go straight to New Bedford when you went to the states, did you? I did go straight to New Bedford, yeah. So my oh, okay. ex wife, my ex wife was a nurse. Okay, and they were, they were recruiting nurses then. So she was hired by the local hospital here. And then there were five or six nurses came over at the same time from diff- different parts of, of the country. So Very good. And like when you're on about Derry there, and it's a fabulous place, fabulous city, um, you were on about it there. Like how much has Derry changed, do you think, since you left? Like is it the same town, do you think, or has it changed an awful lot since? I think it's changed, well... I mean, the looks of Derry changed completely. When I left in the middle of yeah. the troubles, no, maybe not, no, 1989, 87, I left. There were a lot of troubles and bombings, you know, I mean, that was, you know, back now, Derry is like, like a modern city. You know, it's just, there are no, there are no bombs around, there are no, there are no bombed yeah. out buildings. And so, and the people seem to be more, more, they're more an acceptance of the people that they want to get along. They want to, you know, it's yeah. all about just, I mean, we're still not living together. The, the loyalists and I, they still live on two different sides of the river, which is tough. But at least, yeah. you know, they're very little fight. I know at the minute there's some riots here, but that's over. That's a, that's a different topic yeah. altogether. It is, yeah. And like, I, su- I suppose it has, things have gotten a lot better. Now, I can't, I can't actually speak about the troubles because I don't know. Because I, first of all, I wasn't around yeah, yeah. even when it was happening. I'm too young. But second of all, I, w- I would have been living in Cork anyway, where we just didn't, we, we didn't know an awful lot about what was going on in Northern Ireland. And, you know, there was some terrible, t- like, what was it actually like being a young man growing up in Derry? Like, was it, was it, you know, like, what what's the word I'm looking for? Was it kind of, would, would you be worried about what you'd say to somebody somewhere? That kind of thing, like. I think as, you know, yeah, yeah, it depends who you were, of course, you know, and, and yeah. I grew up, I think I remember, the, the trouble started in October the 5th, 1968, the Civil Rights March. I was actually on the march. I was 13 years of age, I went over to look around. Yeah. And, uh, and it was. And the police did batting charges and, and just beat everybody up. And I ran home. I was scared. You know, that was the first time. Yeah. Really scared. But after that, we had riots. I, I'm not saying every week, every night, but almost, or I don't know how many years, and tear gas, 
I think the fear part, there's no fear, and that's a problem too. If you don't, if you hear gunshots every day, and there's yeah. bombs going off all the time, you don't actually turn around when you hear a bomb. Even it's just got you got that state that it's just normal. It's your your life. It's your normal. You get up in the morning, you you step over British soldiers. They're lying in your yard. You know, you step over them. They're stopping Jesus. you. They're hitting you. You know, you've been beat up. I mean, everybody's been beat up by British soldiers. I've been beat up by the police by British soldiers. A lot. I mean, been arrested. That's that's part of life when you when you when you grow up. I live in the bog side. That yeah. the soldiers and police. So I think you. I mean, you don't see any Protestants, which is a, pro, a problem. I never actually saw a Protestant until I was probably eighteen. You know, I never, yeah. I never, I never knew they existed. I'm thinking, oh, they got, I thought they had horns in their head or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I never yeah. saw one until I, I started working and you see one and I said, oh, this guy is different, you know, a little bit different. So that's difficult because they're the same as us. They have the same needs, you know, but it's just become the different backgrounds or the, yeah, the cultural yeah. background seems to, it's embedded in people. And so that's difficult when you don't go to school together, you don't, you don't go yeah. anywhere together. You don't see them. You're in a Protestant area, as you said, you have to watch what you say. I've been in bars at night, whether they did collections for the UVF, and I'm sitting in the corner, shitting myself, and I'm saying, "Oh, geez. Yeah. You, you you think they can tell what, what a Catholic looks like, but of course they can't." But you know, and you're sitting there, so that's a fear in the wrong place at the wrong time. And a lot of people were killed because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. You know, stopped by the UDR, stopped by the police at night, dark somewhere. It's scary. So you sort of hung around your own area. Yeah, and like it, it came down from the top as well. You know, like I'm reading a lot about, you know, people giving their accounts of what it was like growing up around Derry, around Northern Ireland in, in general around that time. And it was severe oppression for you if you were Catholic, which is, it's a scary yeah. kind of situation to picture yourself in, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, trying to break out of that, that system where there's no work, right? There's, I mean, the unemployment rate where I live was like over 30%. I applied for jobs and I know I didn't get them because I was a Catholic. I knew that I used to go for interviews and I wasn't going to get the job and, and, and trying to get to college. I mean, I mean, no, nobody in my family went to college. And yeah. I think, so that was difficult to break away from it. And, and when, when you're put down all your life for being a Catholic and a nationalist, it sort of makes you a better Catholic in ways. Yeah. If somebody telling you, you can't do this because you're this, then you want to, you want to stand up yeah. and fight back, you know, and, and that's, you know, I was on Bloody Sunday too. I was always, I was every major prayer. I was on those prayers. I had friends killed there on Bloody Sunday. My I God. was very lucky myself. You just happened to step into my house. My house is right there. And if you're anybody familiar with Derry, where the Bloody Sunday monument is, Free Derry Corner, I live maybe 100 yards from there. So yeah, that's yeah. right in my house. So that's, it, it gets you angry. Yeah, no, it is. And like, I suppose, speaking to yourself here now, and you know, the anger you felt, the upset you felt, obviously, and, you know, the, the, the kind of the victimizing, you know, the, the, that you were under. I suppose it's it's easy to understand how people acted extremely. And, and, and again, I'm not defending, but I, I'm not a violent person myself. I'm not going to, you know, condone any sort of violence. But people were in awful situations that they wouldn't have wanted to be. Young lads like yourself at the time, things like that. It just wasn't good. And I think that's what a lot of people have to consider when they consider, you know, the way racism works towards people that people retaliate in moments where they're being treated you know being treated badly for the color of their skin for their religion like you were like you were yourself things like that and you can understand how people are angry and upset at the system because the, the system in northern ireland was terrible at the time it was an awful situation to put catholics in you know 
I was corrupt. I mean, Derry, we have 100,000 people who had 75, 70% of the vote. We, we never won an election. That was impossible. You know, he, he, the mayor was always a unionist mayor, Protestant mayor. We couldn't win. So yeah. there was so much gerrymandering of the lines. It just, and it doesn't make you angry and you want, you want to fight back. When you're young, you, you mean, you don't, you don't, you don't think with your head. You, know, you just, you just want to get your soldiers there, throwing clubs with you and you're going to get fight back. And that's what everybody did. And I'm not saying I'm any different than anyone else, but most people did. You you wake up for so long and you say racism is not about, I, I, I teach about racism at school and I tell the kids, it's not about color. No, racism is you hate somebody because you don't even know them. Yeah. You, know, you don't know the person, but you hate them. It doesn't matter the color of their skin or, or their culture or their religion. It's the same thing. And, and, and we're, we're, I teach about the civil rights here and it's very similar to the civil rights movement in the 60s here, Martin Luther King, the way, way Kathy Virtue to something similar. You know? Yeah. It is very similar. And like, it's actually something that is, I think, unites maybe the um, African-American community with Irish, the Irish Americans. It should anyway, because an awful lot of our history is to do with, you know, British oppression. We should learn from that. So I actually there was a thing that I got a few months ago and it was around the time of uh, when George Floyd was killed. And it was a poem that um, Imelda May, you know, Imelda May, don't you? The Irish singer, she wrote a poem about you can't be racist and Irish. And I think that's very true. I don't think I don't think you're if you're Irish and proud of your history and proud of who you are and where you come from, I don't think you can defend any sort of racism or even it's just it's bizarre when I see Irish people that would be commenting things on Facebook like, oh, we don't want these people in our country or whatever. But at the yeah, same time, yeah, yeah. at the same time, we'll get fierce offended at British people insulting Irish people. You know, it's it's a mad situation to be in, you know? I think you, you do get some of that and not a lot. I mean, some Irish people say they're against immigration. I say, oh my God, well, we're all, we're immigrants. No, we <laughs> yeah. we're very lucky to get here. Yeah. And they're saying we, we should be doing, we should be getting rid of all the immigrants. I said, well, that's us. But yeah, yeah I think sometimes you don't, they, they they don't think outside the box, you know, and, and they're just thinking we were the ones that were we were persecuted, but this persecuting on black people in this country is is okay when it's not okay. I mean, this is this racism in this country. It's I mean it's very obvious in times. I mean the police stuff you can see that that you know that George Floyd thing and that guy. Look at that guy's face. You could see he just he didn't give us didn't care that he, this guy yeah. was going to die. He didn't care, you know. And then, and and ninety nine percent of the police officers here are good people. Yeah, exactly. It's just there need to be some training or some way to deal to, to de-escalate this stuff before it gets out of hand. Well, there's a system that's put in place. Like, I mean, it is it is it's 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 wrong from the top down, as you say. But as you say, like you can go on about you know police being trained properly or whatever. But if there's people in power that are spreading this kind of propaganda that are you know encouraging people to fear other people and that's what an awful lot of you know that's how a lot of political leaders around the world have gotten elected through basically putting fear on people you know of like oh these these mexican immigrants are your enemies or these these muslim immigrants or whatever and look at the end of the day there's bad people from every every walk of life but i think you can't as you were saying about racism there it's unfair to judge somebody based on you don't know them because of something you were told about where they come from or what their religion is or whatever you know and that's very wrong and and, and racism is learned and i always i mean i talk to kids in school but i said, you know we put a bunch of six-year-olds in a room doesn't matter what color they are they're they're playing with each other yeah. had 20 years on and put put them at 26 in a room i knew the the, the, the spanish in one corner 
African Americans in another corner, maybe we have Guatemalans or Puerto Rican on the whites in another corner. It's just it's a learned thing, and we we have to change that in education. If you stop, well, stop saying things at home. They hear these things. Their parents say something about black people, and and yeah. they don't realize that they're 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 just feeding into these kids. And then you say politicians building this because that's how they get elected. They yeah. they, they know they, they say what the people want. They, it's a blame game. Politics is a blame game. They, they have they blame mm. someone, and and at the minute we're, we're the last administration, we're blaming immigrants and African Americans, yeah. everybody except themselves. You know, and that's it's difficult. Yeah. And like, um, it, it, exactly. And you know, you're saying politicians getting elected. That's what they have to do. Well, they don't have to, but that's what they. It works for them, unfortunately. Like, you know, Donald Trump is a big example. He's the elephant in the room that we haven't mentioned yet, but he's, um, sure. he's a big example of that. Like, and it's, you see it all the time, though, because it's starting to even happen in Ireland now, which we're not, you know, luckily we're not tolerating it as much here, but there is a starting, a kind of a far right movement starting where they're trying to blame, you know, Syrian refugees for things. They're trying to blame anybody who comes to the country for 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 everything and that's what they're basically trying to get elected based on fear and yeah that's that's where an awful lot of that is coming from as well you know well yeah in this country if you go to places and everybody's wearing a mask they're saying they're all democrats you know it's just like yeah nobody's wearing a mask they're all republicans even something <laughs> as simple as that has got to be it's, it's politics it's political if you wear a mask you don't wear a mask or if you're flying american flags everywhere or you're everywhere then oh you're a republican so it's it's just and that's that's because They've been preaching hate for so long that, yeah. that it like people believe it. It's all they hear is this: it's it's hate, 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 and and hate people, and it's their fault. It's it's this this country is divided more than I'd ever see, I've ever seen in my life. It, it's just there's yeah, it's, it's scary. Like, it is scary here, and, and hopefully, I mean, I, I like Joe Biden. I'm a Democrat anyway, but I actually like that man. I think he's an honest guy, and he's not perfect, of course. But he, he and he's, he's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. That's another big thing. He's a good guy, and he's a good man, and he he he, he seems to say it straight. I mean, mm-hmm. no harm. The last guy was just. I mean, everything opened his mouth. He was lying, you know. And then it was, and the problem is, ninety percent of people believe them. Yeah, and that's isn't necessarily election. People still believe election was was fixed and rigged, and yeah. there's no evidence anywhere. And like Biden won by what seven million votes. But yeah. it's, it's it's just this country is really divided. And it's a pity that both sides are are using this to get to get elected, and that's not good. Yeah, no, definitely. And look, come here. I I can't really speak an awful lot about American politics because I say I don't live there. I don't know what it's like to be, you know, under any what what any president was like to live under. So I can't really say. But I can only say what I'm saying on the news or seeing on the news. And. Do you know, when Barack Obama was president, for example, you'd hear about him on the 6-1 news when something, you know, he was, we'll say there was, you know, something he was speaking at that was important or whatever. Yeah. But Donald Trump made the news every day, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's still, it's the same. I rarely hear from him on the news. Like, no. <laughs> honest, honest, David, the news here starts got to be boring. Because what I do see is a guy calling a reporter named, or he's yeah. calling female reporters names or he's calling everybody names you don't get that anymore so it's it's different and the, and the country's adjusting to this and now there's no no hate coming from like the the the, the leader is not there's no hate speeches he doesn't talk a lot it's not about him yeah. so i think it's going to take a while to this country to realize you know and there's i mean republican people and democratic people they're, they're all good people 
but they've just been led astray by some of the politicians. No, definitely. And like, look, we're all human beings at the end of the day. And as you say, a lot of people look, I understand why some people are Republican, because look, maybe it just suits them, the policies. We're all from different backgrounds, different policies, yeah. all the rest. But I do think shame on any Republican that didn't acquit Trump in the Senate, because like, surely you cannot, even if you're a very traditional Republican, surely you cannot condone the actions that like the, the hate speech, the, the incitement of hatred, everything like you cannot condone that. If you love America, you cannot condone that kind of behavior at all. Yeah. The problem is if they did, they want to lose their job and that's the problem. That's true. And that's what they're putting. They're putting their money before the country. And, yeah. and that's what's happening. These people, that vote had to been anonymous. Yeah. Definitely, he would have been convicted, of course. Oh, 100%. And look, Kamir, but, I appreciate that as well. Like, And obviously, you have to toe the party line, um, unfortunately. I'd respect the guys who, you know, who are Republican, traditional Republican, and, you know, still um, still voted yes on that. I, I do respect that an awful lot. Um, you know, like, uh, the late John McCain is someone who I think... Yeah. Was, was quite look come here we didn't agree obviously a lot of people didn't agree with everything he said and he was very traditional conservative all the rest but i think he was very i think he was a lot more concerned with america first as opposed to what you know so you can gain out of something i do think he cared about america overall the bigger picture kind of you know well, there's good people on both sides they just have to start saying they have to put the country first instead of putting their 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 own policies first you know both sides have good ideas sometimes but you can't always say because it's the democratic idea is no good or if the republican idea is no good and that's what's happening it's like stalemate now they won't agree on anything so i'm hoping a wider head they'll, they'll come through here and they'll realize for the good of the country you know yeah. we have to pull it together and you know, we have to get rid of all this the, the racism in the country definitely the education system here is we're working on it when I mean, it's just it's, it's it's difficult it's not it's it and the healthcare system here is probably the best in the world but it's very expensive is very yeah uh, that's 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 the one thing i think i'm kind of lucky i don't know is it that i come from a great country or a small country is the better one but yeah yeah it is a lot well, more, it is easier here you know like healthcare costs me probably i'm trying to think oh it's probably cost 1200 a month oh, that's crazy yeah so so my my, my school department pays 75 percent of it okay right? yeah that's so, still a lot i didn't yeah so you i mean i mean you talked about barry before barry would be paying 1200 a month yeah yeah like a gen yeah yeah it is crazy money you know and and it, of course you get everything you want right away but mm. it's it's just it's and then people can't afford insurance and that's a difficult part but you can't afford it then you you're just not treated without, like yeah yeah and that no that is that's that's very tough to hear like and you never want to you never like no matter what you know you believe or who you believe you never want to see somebody not being able to receive um medical care that's yeah. an awful situation to be in and then the other hand, my, my sister in Derry, she had a, a cataract in her eyes, so she got the first one done. She had to wait 18 months to get the first one done. Okay. And she had to wait another year to get the second one done, the second eye done. I said, oh, we were actually in, in Glasgow then. She had to fly back from Glasgow because you can't miss an appointment. Yeah. So that's the other side of it, you know, so that's not good either, you know. And, I mean, I want to experience yeah. what, what it's like in the North. I'm not sure if it's the same in, in, in the Republic. Actually, there's one one that I kind of wanted to um, get out of you, actually, because it's been very, very popular, is um, the TV show Derry Girls. Like, would you think that's... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Is it an accurate depiction I, of Derry? I think a little bit. It's funny. I mean, it's funny. It's, some of it is... Yeah, I think it's, some of it is like that. You know, 
but I've watched a bit of it. A lot of people here seem to watch it because I had someone yeah. in my house. They asked, "Do you ever watch Dairy Girls?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and there's some of it is I can see the parts when when it shows the parts of Dairy what when what happened at a certain time, you know, the British, yeah. or the soldiers and things, and and the Catholics and Protestants stuff. It, they just make humor out of it, which is we, that's one thing with Irish people. We laugh about everything, you know. Then, well, yeah. we'll find something funny and everything, you know, no matter how bad it is, you know. It's just yeah, that's how we how we cope. I do. I love that myself, and I kind of I do think the Irish have a kind of a resilience as a result of that. Though I do think we have a kind of a thing of, ah, but sure, like it could have been worse because this could have happened. Like I've just I've often been in situations where it probably wasn't the time to find something funny but someone just makes a joke and it just eases the tension there you know and that's that's a great situation to be in as well like because i know yeah it's it is it's it's a good that's a good um positive aspect coming from ireland i think yeah and i think i hear it's a bit different because you, you really can't make can't slag people here you can't make fun of people because they don't get it you know and yeah. you have to be careful <laughs> so we're, we're very we're, irish people are very sarcastic you know and that's, <laughs> yeah and some people take offense to it where we're actually like i'm moving up in france and, and barry and i and brian Crowley and we know cork and and we're, they think we're arguing. We're not. We are, but we're not really. Yeah, you're having to go off each other, as, as you say. Yeah, yeah. We're just, yeah, yeah. That's what, what you do. And then people think, "Whoa, what's going to be a fight over there?" And we're, of course, we're just. Yeah, that's yeah. Normal. They don't realize that's the normal. But we do. We just you know, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. But it could be football or anything. Yeah, we're no. Just, we're, it's because I remember there was one time I was talking to a girl. Um, she was from uh, she was from Pennsylvania, I think, but she was visiting um Middleton in Cork. And I was talking to her anyway, and I was I said something to her, and she kind of looked at me weird, and I was like, "Oh no, sorry, I'm only I'm I'm, I'm taking the piss, don't worry." And she's like, "You're taking yeah. a piss?" I was like, "No, no, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm joking." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know? We say that, that, that's a joke with a jag sometimes. I say, What's that? what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You have to be careful with the jokes here because they don't get them, and and they think you're insulting them. Well, we are insulting, them, but in a nice way, you know. Ah, yeah. We we do everything with a smile. I mean, walk in, when I go home, I walk in the bar, they're going to call me a name. That's normal. You know, they're not going to say, hey, nice, they call you something and call you names all night. Yeah, but yeah. But they didn't even know they didn't like you. That's, you know, that's... But, so Irish people, I think we really have a way of coping with things and we went through a lot. I mean, not just from the last 50 years, or hundreds of years, we seem to be... I and mean, we've come through it. We have, yeah, in fairness. And, and I, I think that's credit to us. Like, we... We are resilient um, people. So you were telling me there um, just before we started recording that you were good friends with uh, Mr. John Hume, who I'm a huge fan of. And could you tell me, like, what was the man actually like to know as a person? Because we all know what he was. He gave a great message of peace in a time when it wasn't easy. But what was John Hume, the man, actually like? Yeah, I know John. I mean, I knew John from 1968. I had bumped into him in that parade. Not that. And Derry is involved in the civil rights. He just was... I mean, what you've seen with John all the time, he was not a violent man, no matter what. Yeah. He just the way, way, very intelligent, funny guy, really funny. They sit down and have a beer with him or a pint with him, you know, and he's just very genuine. And in the, the yeah. tail end of it, the last 15 years, where he was starting to you know, lose it a little bit. You know, he was, he, but he's even funnier then. You know, I, I had him here <laughs> 15 years ago when he came and I took him to the hotel and I said, right, I put him in his room, right? He said, all right, Chris, I'll see you in the morning. So open the door in the morning. He, says, he said to me, who are you? Because his mind was just losing things. Yeah. Panicking. So he had a big meeting with uh, the local newspaper, their, 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 their editorial staff. And that's, oh, my God. So we're in the, we're in the restaurant before, and he went, I want my ice cream. I want ice cream. I want ice cream. He was just. Jesus, yeah. 
So I said, I'm taking him into these editorial board, all these smart people. And he sat and he just switched. He was unbelievable. He was, I mean, he, he, yeah. he had turned it. Every speech, he seemed to end up with a song. Danny right. Boy, right? he's a great singer. And yeah. he, a genuine guy. He helped me out. I, I, owned, I owned a pub in Derry. I had some problems with the police. And I went to John. He went down with the police station. I mean, it didn't fix the problem, of course. But at least he was there for you. Yeah. I ended up selling my bar because of that. But he was there. I mean, I never agreed with him when I was young. That's why I, I didn't hate him. But my mother was John Hume fan. She put the John Hume thing in the window. I'd be embarrassed. When you're when you're 18, 19, 20, you, you, the last thing you want to hear is somebody want to give, give somebody a hug and you know, or be peaceful and be nice yeah. to people. You know, so I, I sort of changed my ways with them. I, I I didn't really agree with them when I was young. Yeah. But I came around. As older I got and I got more sensible, I guess he, he was right and I was wrong. When I'm younger, I, I, you know, your your head is in a different place when you when you're getting put down all your life. But John was just a straight guy. You'd see him in the streets of Derry. You'd be in the bars, have a drink maybe. And he just a, he was a normal guy. I mean, he, he got the Nobel Peace Prize. He gave all the money away. He wasn't a man for money. Just good guy and, and deserved all he got. And with all the accolades he got here, he was loved by all the politicians here. He he connected here. No one ever had. You know, he, you know, he, he picked yeah. up a phone. Anyone, everyone went answer the phone to John Hume. Yeah, no, and like credit to him. As I said, he he managed to maintain his principles of peace, and you know the power of talking things out um, in a time when that was that, that didn't seem possible. And you know he he didn't seem like an angry man, or he didn't carry an awful lot of hatred. And that's that's great type of person to be. So yeah, I would think I would think that's always the best way to look at things. Now I understand how people felt so angry and 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 all that kind of stuff. But credit to John Hume for keeping his principles, you know. Yeah, no, I under time do you see where he's he's been the soldier to right in his face, he's been sprayed with water cannons and everything, there are guns in his head, and he doesn't lose it. And he kept it, and I was saying, John, John, right at that time he said, fight back, but he didn't. He was yeah, always pushing peace, and he was right, you know. He was, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, like it's it's always you know, strange because I remember when the uh, pre presidential election in Ireland was happening in 2011 and uh, Martin McGuinness, the late Martin McGuinness, um, was running and people, that's all people were throwing at him the whole time was, yeah, well, you were IRA, you were this, that and the other and all the rest. And I don't know, I was I was quite a fan of Martin McGuinness. Um, I think he I think he spoke very well on a lot of issues. I think he did. He looked, come here, he, he was part of you know a lot of questionable things due to his his own circumstances but i do i do think he made a good effort for peace in northern ireland in the end and i think that's what you should probably judge him on really do you know he did change i mean i know and i, I went to a thing with martin McGinnis in boston i arrived and there were people were outside calling him traitor and it's holding signs up and i went over and said what are you talking about well, this is a guy who who fought for his country i mean he realized me i don't think he ever admitted he did anything wrong but you, yeah i mean you learn. I mean, you, you learn from what he did. And to end up, he was I mean, very intelligent. He was a great, a great negotiator. He got mm -hmm. things done, you know, and I, I'm not a Sinn Féin guy. I try, and I, Irish politics, I, like you, I don't want to tell people in Ireland what to do. I'm not living there, you know, and I, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to tell my brothers, you should vote this way. But I try and be neutral, and I, I know I, I, I brought the leader of the SDLP, he's a good friend of mine, Call me a very good friend. I've, yeah. had, I've had every single party in Ireland come here on trips. I mean, from the DUP, the Labour Party, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael. I've had every single one here yeah. in New Bedford to speak. So I, I try and 
listen to everybody. And and I probably couldn't tell you the difference between the SDLP and Sinn Féin. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know the yeah. difference between Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael. I just, I don't study it enough to do, you know. So, I... No, but- I yeah, exactly. And that's that's fair enough, like, because and I, and I kind of respect you for that, that you're very kind of like, look, I'm not living there, so I'm not going to tell people how to do things in Ireland. That's that's kind of fair enough. And I'd be the same. I look I I mean, look, I don't I didn't like the way Donald Trump spoke about things, but like I can't say whether the Republicans are a good party or whether the Democrats are a good. party. No. I don't know because I don't live in America, so I can't really speak on that, you know. No, I have my opinion, of course, but I, I try and keep it to myself. And, you know, I don't, I'm, <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not all over uh, social media telling people to do this, do that. But I'm, I'm, I'm opinion. I, I'm a, a Republican. I'm a nationalist. No, of course, mm. I want to. I want to see a 32 country art, and hopefully in my lifetime. But I want that. But I'm not here to, to drum down somebody's throat, and they'll tell me, "Well, how are you? You don't even live here. You know, you, you don't know what it's like to live here." And I don't. I, yeah. I, I'm from there, but I don't live there anymore. So it's just you have to. You have to try and look at the big picture, and maybe because I'm much yeah. at the box now, I have maybe a different uh, prospect and things when I look at it. It's something that I would love someday um, to see a 32 county Irish Republic. Um, I'm starting to think it's looking a lot more possible than what it was um, even just a few years ago. But I don't know. It's it, it's it's a strange idea, but it is something that I would love because Ireland should be united. We we should all come together. You know. I think. I mean, the working class people in Ireland are the same. I mean, yeah. north, south, east, west, we're the same people. And again, you all you have these people, the leaders, telling them one thing or the other. And, you know, we all want the same thing. We want better education. We want, we want a home. We want health care. We want a good yeah. life for our children. We all want that. And that's the rest of the stuff is side stuff. You know, we only, we only bow to the queen or bow to the pope or whatever. That should be put to the side. No, most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, no, it's um. So you're living, you're living there now, thirty years. Is that right? Thirty years now, yeah. And I, I'm teaching here now, like twenty years teaching. So I'm sort of, no, I, I love teaching. I, I will teach wherever I can. I just, I think to be, to be able to shape, uh, kids' lives in some way at all. It, it, it is, it's, it's. I'm lucky, you know. It's a blessing that I can go in and talk to kids every day. Yeah. And. Hopefully steer them in the right direction. I teach uh, thirteen and fourteen year olds. It's a they call it middle school here. So yeah, you grade. Do middle school. Yeah, yeah. Instead of um, we just do secondary school and primary school. Yeah, yeah. yeah so middle school is where they all they're that tough age. They're 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay. They start to rebel, and so they're all in the one school here. <laughs> My school is about thirteen hundred kids in it. A pretty big school, but I enjoy it. I teach U.S. history, so I'm, I'm learning as I go along. No, that's really cool, actually, because I, I have a huge interest in history myself. Like, so um, that is actually pretty cool. And like, when you're teaching history, would you like would you take an awful lot of what you learned coming from your own country with what was going on there, in relation to when you're trying to teach people? Like, history is very important for me because it teaches us what can go wrong and why we should be learn and try to be better. But do you try to incorporate that into it when you're teaching? Yeah, people? I think I think if you bring a personal story. Anything and anything you're teaching, yeah. the kids, the kids are going to listen. They're going to take it. And of course, I do. I mean, they call over here projects. You know, they all live together. No, and that's. I said, well, I live in a project, of course. I mean, I, I grew up with no money. I mean, I I know what it's like. And, and I mean, they talk about police harassment. Well, I know what that's like, of course. So I, I try to tie it into my life too, because they, 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 you you hold their interest more. Anybody can teach them. You want to just give them a books and papers to write. You know, I try to make it fun. You know, and and learn at the same time. 
and about their rights. And so, yeah, of course, as soon as any, any chance I get, I, I will I will talk to them about my, where I'm from and I have my dairy flag, of course, in the room. I, I, have, I have everything, all my own stuff on the walls and things. So, yeah. And they ask me, they, they, they love the accent a little bit. No, I'm, I'm losing yeah. a little bit of it, but you, you, the longer you're here, because you have to, sh- it's funny because at the beginning, they don't understand you and you have to sort of change the way you say some words. I am coming here and asking for like ham instead of ham, you say ham, and yeah. there's a pound of ham. And I was the guy was looking at me, I have two heads and saying, okay, ham, and what? You have to really change yeah. the certain words, you know, that. But the kids love the accent, and, and I, I, I like. I don't make people laugh at me. I enjoy it. We don't. We don't yeah. care if somebody laughs. So I'm not I too know, serious. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, kids. Kids are good, and with kids anywhere, you you make a connection with a student, and you got that student. You got them or her. If you just make a connection, could be a connection about sports, connection about their home life, or connection about you know what they do, what they want to do, what their goals are. And I always tell people. It's not where you're coming from is important. It's where you're going. No. Yeah, that's good. That's, You'd be that's coming nice. from the worst place. I mean, we, we have a lot of drug issues here. We have you, unfortunately, have an Ireland too. Yeah. Horrible drug issues here. That that, but it's in. You have to hold them and and get, get a little connection with any kid. And you, I mean, I always say there's no such thing as a bad kid. There is none. I mean, mm. Some kids make bad choices. Yeah, but they're we're that's all different. Here, you know? Yeah, you make bad choices. It doesn't make a bad kid. And, and I hate people branding kids. They're saying, oh, you're our future. They're not. You're yeah. present. You're here. You're the present. You've got ideas. So I know and we could, people come to speakers and tell them all the time, you're the future. Well, no, no, they're right here right now. Yeah, we need to focus on how to make <laughs> yeah. them better as people if, now. Yeah, if, yeah. if you start to yeah, look over them and say, oh, well, I'm 10 years time, we're going to listen to you. No, no, listen to, listen to them now because some are pretty bright and they, they have good ideas and, and if you listen to them and you sort of praise them when they need praise and you admit you're wrong when you're wrong, sometimes I mm. teach a lesson, I got it wrong. I'll tell them, look, you know what? That's on me. Don't worry about it. I need to change. Yeah, no. And like things have gotten better um, in schools. Do you know, like even when I was going, to, and it's not that long ago that I left school, but when I was in school, um, primary school, certainly, even people who had dyslexia or something like that, it, it wasn't noticed as much. I think these days every child is getting a better chance at something yeah. because if you have dyslexia, there's there's supports in place for you, so you have the same chance as everyone else, and that's excellent because even though I went didn't go to school at Longo, it was it was different. Like there's a guy I went to school with that wasn't didn't know he was dyslexic until he was about fourteen, which is shocking, you know, it really is. Yeah. Like, and 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 we're, we're in Massachusetts, like we have special needs kids, but they're in they're in the school. They're not. We don't put them in a corner on another school. You're in the school. You're going to regular classes. Yeah, so I have autistic kids in my classroom, and I have kids with all sorts of problems in the classroom with with the other kids. We 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 sometimes we used to put them in a corner, or they need to go to a different school. No, they're 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 different, but they're the same at the same time, you know. And, and we, I think we're learning all the time. You see dyslexia, whatever it is, you know, whatever uh, handicap they have, whatever disability they have, we we think we can spot them a lot earlier than we could, you know. And it's mm-hmm. and we can get stepping and help. Again, I think there's no such thing as bad kids. And I, I always tell people that they're just, they make bad choices. And we, we all did. I made a lot of bad choices. Yeah. And I'm sure you did. You know, we, we just, but you learn. Exactly. And like, that's, it's great to hear you say that. And it's good that you have a job that you can, you know, implement that. Like, and, and it's great. Like, it's, it's great to find something you're passionate about. And you're very, you seem very, very passionate about teaching. You seem like you love yeah. to impart knowledge onto young people. Like, I love teaching. I, I I love being funny. I, you know, I, I try to be funny teaching. I know I, 
I tell jokes, whatever it is, whatever you, whatever it takes. And you teachers need to learn that you just don't teach from a book. You you need to think like that. You need need to find a way to make that one kid in the corner learn. If he's not getting the way you're doing it, and you change, you don't you can't make him change. Yeah, you change. There's something you can do. You can think about it and try and try different things, and you'll get it if you keep trying. You know the kids that are that are C students, but they're getting it bit by bit. Yeah, I, exactly. I tell I tell kids I hate failing anyone. I said it, it hurts me much more than it hurts you, because then I yeah. think I've done something wrong. And and I tell them that, and it doesn't mean everybody passes my class, of course, but I I, I try my best, and I know. But kids are trying; they they they, they want to succeed. No kid comes in and say, "No, I want to be the worst ever." I want to. You just have to find a way for them. And sometimes it's tougher. Some kids are tougher than other kids, you know. And it it yeah. is really difficult to get through to some kids. And that's where we have to learn. And maybe we have to spot the problems you said earlier. Yeah. A lot of, maybe it went before when they're four and five years of age, we should be figuring these things out. Definitely. Like, and I just think back to when I was in school, um, as you say, teaching isn't from a book. The classes that I did a lot better in, um, and it wasn't anything to do with my ability, I don't think, but what it was to do with was the classes I did better in were the ones where the teacher was trying to relate to me on a more human level. Like, you know, trying to encourage me in some way differently maybe like do you know like I, I remember I had an Irish teacher in particular who was very he was very into trying to encourage my um interests and stuff and I liked that an awful lot that he took time to even when I started like you know like doing stuff like this or whatever he like was trying to get me to meet people who were involved with um with radio stations and stuff like that and I, and I actually really appreciated that and I um i sometimes um if i meet him i still you know tell him an awful lot about what i'm doing and stuff and yeah he's it, it, that's kind of what i i'd remember about people you know what's well, something he, he made a connection and that's what it is yeah teachers need to make connections and we figure out what what makes them tick and everybody's different yeah you know, and and we and figure that out with the kids that kid's gonna gonna he's gonna shine he's gonna do his best he may not be an a student but he's gonna do his best and i think Kids are really, really smart. They, they know what they want. And sometimes there's hurdles in the way we, we don't even see. And we, we don't know what their home life's like. We don't know if we go home, they're a drug guy. I, I kid you go home, his mother wouldn't let him in the house. He was out all night. They came to school the next day. Mm. And I found out and he's never, his mother wouldn't let him home, wouldn't let him in. You know, and so you have to see this too. And then, so he didn't do his homework. I don't care. I had a kid in my class was crying on a test because he had a bad night at home. I got the test paper and I ripped it up. And I threw it in the trash. Jesus. I said, you're more important than the test. Don't worry about it. No, yeah. that's no, we don't see the big picture sometimes. You know, sometimes the guidance counters here or the administration would see these things that these kids are going through. But I mean, I mean, I, I know some horror stories and it's it's really tough. Some of these kids, the life they have and you certainly come to school at the same time, do their homework. You know, we have to give them a break. No, and that's that's great to hear that, Christopher, like seriously, because like people, I, I think a lot of the time, like I had a lot of great teachers in school, but I had one or two that would say something that I hated. And still to this day, I cannot, I just don't, I think it's something you should never say to a child is, oh, will I get paid at the end of the day, whether you learn or not? That's not what it's about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awful. Like, you know, no, that's, yeah, that's and, and there's teachers who hate kids and I know them because I see them. The first yeah. day of school, they're counting. Well, there's only 181 days left. That's just the frame for it. They're saying they hate it. Jesus. So they're there for the money or whatever it is they're there for. And, 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 and kids can spot fakes a mile away. 
They spot yeah. them. They have I asked the kids which teachers are the fake, they'll tell you right. They know who they are. Well, of course, yeah. And and I know who they are too. I'm also very involved in the union. I'm on the board of the union here, the teachers union. So I, I work with teachers a lot. But I mean it's a difficult job, but it's a very rewarding job. You know, I mean, maybe not financially, but it's a rewarding job when you go home, you feel good. And you yeah. go in the morning, you smile when you go to school. And, and, and it's tough days. People have tough days. I've seen teachers crying. You know, yeah, I've seen course. teachers break down. And so that's, it is difficult. And some teachers uh, can handle it better than others. But it's, you know, it is a really rewarding job. If you, you get your a little bit into someone's life and you're pointing them in that the right direction, it's good. Yeah, no, because I was th- like when I was in school, we a lot of the time we didn't kind of um, view teachers as as human beings, really. You know, we didn't kind of yeah, we kind of viewed them as uh, either here to annoy you, like or antagonize you or something like that. Like you know, you just didn't think of it that way. But my sister is a teacher, like and now I know what she has to deal with as well. You know, even um, if somebody's being very um, you know difficult or whatever, and and that's yeah, you know, I, I know oh. her on a human level, like so it's different now. You know. It is, and you when you see when I see teachers really break down, and and I said, okay, sit down and talk about this, and see what what was going wrong. And some of it, like I see teachers uh, writing kids up because they didn't bring a pencil or they broke their pencil, you know, stuff like that. You know, it's just yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to think about it, and and it's not easy standing in front of thirty kids at the front of them, and you start talking to them, and one of them could be giggling behind your back. Who cares? You know, just it's hard, but. You work at it and you learn from other people. Yeah. You know, and it's, but, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I don't, I referee here a lot. So I love that. I, I'm always involved with kids. Or I'm still refereeing soccer games every five or six times a week sometimes. Just, just get out and about and see kids in different places. And, and they, they're, they're, kids are amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, no, that's that's actually great. Like, and as you say, sport and stuff is is great for kids. It's it's good to see um, uh, young people involved in things because like it can help them resolve an awful lot of social issues as well. Like, you know, like we used to always just be kicking the ball around together and all the rest, and we'd do best crack ever. Like when we were growing up, and just so much fun. Like you know, you'd be pretending to be Ronaldo and everything. It was all good laugh. Yeah. No, I think sports is good when kids. They really encourage sports here a lot. I mean, high school sports is really. I mean, some parts of the country at a high school game, they're getting 20,000 people. That's you know, unreal, yeah. That is class. Yeah, sometimes you can't even get into the game. It's it's different parts of this country that sports is, because they, they're looking for, they get a college scholarship, that's what they're looking for. The kids are good enough to go to college for free. And you can get that through sports too. But I think sports is good if you say get people together. They're, 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 they're yeah. so still, they're better. It's, no matter what sport is, it's going to be soccer, football, you know, hockey, basketball lacrosse whatever they play here but it's good and and the schools do a really good job of of getting kids involved in something no yeah that's great um as well there's something there that i want to get your two cents on um because you know you're living in america and obviously you're you're a fan of american sports and you know the format all the rest you know the nfl baseball all that um there was a lot of controversy uh because i'm a manchester united fan like yourself um there was a lot of controversy about what nearly happened where they were going to launch a European Super League, which was gone very like American format in in um, in relation to soccer. But that's just not what we're used to. And it kind of it would have been basically defeating the purpose of the competition. Like, what did you think of that? Or did you did you? Kind no, of- yeah, you know, I, yeah, I was upset because it's not it's not it's not pure soccer or football. Which is, yeah, it's, it's, you had these people and we the Glazers who are 
of course, on the on the t- top of the Buccaneers, you just won the Super Bowl. It's a yeah. business, and and it's, the problem is soccer is a business. There's so much money involved now that it's a business. These people are there to make money. They're not oh, there yeah. because they love the game. They're they're investing in someone. They're going to take money off. So it is different. That Super League was just and that was that they were like trying to be elite. That they're going to be an an, an elitist league where they're going to just do care with the other teams. So the other 16 teams in the Premier League would have just won what? They do end up like Scotland. You know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah, yeah. They lose the TV rights. Not that I love Celtic too, but but for TV rights, just it was just being selfish and looking for more money. Even though even though you said it wasn't about money, of course it's about money. Of course, yeah. That's all it is, and that, that dictates sports everywhere, and that's and that's a problem. Even though the American sports here, you know, I'm not. I, I can watch some sports, but I'm not really a big, a big sports fan here, except for I United. I watch soccer games all the time. An odd yeah. football game, but it's it's just money is on the amount of money that's going through sports here and around the world is just incredible. And it is, yeah, and um, because I remember when uh, Pogba signed for Man United, I remember there was uh, Jose Mourinho, who was manager of uh, Manchester United at the time, um, came out and he said, in a year's time, Pogba's price tag will seem cheap. And the following year, yeah. uh, Coutinho went from Liverpool to Barcelona for 120 million. So like. Yeah, it, that, when you put it like that, it seems crazy. Like, yeah, you know, Pog was like eighty-seven million or something. Yeah, and it, yeah. You know, I mean, but you have to think, and then, and then the wages are getting. But if they didn't get the, if the players weren't paid, that'd be more money to go to the owners, and they would. I'm sure they wouldn't invest it in the game. So sometimes you have to think these players are getting, like I know Ronaldo makes a million a week, and somewhere over here they're making five, six hundred thousand a week. But it, where would it go if they didn't get it? Like some of these basketball players, like. LeBron James, I mean, the amount of money they make is just unbelievable. It is crazy, and, yeah. But again, it, the, 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 the owners are making it. They're, they're not giving them anything that they don't have. They're not making so it's, it's, it's Here they have a cap on, on their sports teams, and you know, like a salary cap. Yeah, you know, definitely. That would be a good idea, and that would be a good idea with, with the Premier League or not. Might even out a little better. It's, every team can only spend the same amount of money, but... Yeah, um, yeah, no, exactly. Because, like as you say, financial fair play came in, but it just wasn't the same. It would, it wasn't really too. It, it wasn't clear enough. Yeah. Really. Clubs were taking advantage of it as well. You know, they've got lawyers as well. A lot of these clubs, they've got very expensive lawyers and stuff, so they can find loopholes around this. Yeah. Know? No. Yeah. So, um, Christopher, thanks very much for coming and speaking to me. Um, I really, I really enjoyed our chat. Um. It's it's great. I just I love doing this format. I love to you know kind of just getting a genuine human conversation. And uh, you've got a great compassion for people. And um, it was great to hear what you were saying about even teaching and stuff like that. So it is fantastic. So thanks very much for talking to me today, man. Well, thanks, David. I enjoyed it. Cheers.